Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Verse 12, this is John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, if this was not Jesus himself talking, I would have a problem with that Bible verse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, greater things than you, Jesus, shall we do? But this is the, the statement that Jesus made, that greater things shall you do. And whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father, that, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that's the focus of anything God does, any work, any miracle, uh, anything that God does, the focus is that God gets the glory. It's very important. The focus is not healing. The focus is not a miracle. The focus is always God being glorified. And it says that you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So I want to take just a, a few minutes here and just talk to you about this as we look at the miracles of Jesus today, inside of any miracle, and there's 34 distinct miracles in the Gospels alone, there's countless other miracles that we know were unrecorded, that we don't have the specifics of, but we know that these are not the only miracles, but these 34 miracles that we have inside of every miracle is a message. And I love this about the miracles, as you're looking at them, studying them, there is a message in every single miracle. And the message is not about the miracle. The message is about the one who performs the miracles. Very important that we understand that what we're talking about today is not miracles. We're talking about Jesus, the one who does the miracles. Can I get an amen? And so I found out over the years, if you're someone that's seeking miracles, you probably won't find anybody. Any, any of them. But if you'll seek God, if you'll seek Jesus, then you'll probably find yourself in the middle of a lot of miracles along the way. So we don't seek miracles. We follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus long enough and far enough, at some point you will find yourself in the middle of some great miracles. Now, John chapter 14, verse 12, it makes a statement, greater things shall you do. Now think about that. Greater things shall you do. Now we know only God can do the miraculous, but he said that if we follow him, that we'll also traffic in the miraculous, that you and I can be a catalyst to see the miraculous happen in other people's lives. That's what following Jesus is all about, saying, okay, God, you said that greater work shall we do. So we want to follow you and all the miracles that you saw happen. You said we could see those same kind of miracles happen in our lives. So the message of these miracles, when you look at them in the scripture, when you look, look at the Bible and you say, okay, there's all these miracles, what's the point of these miracles? The point isn't so we could read about what God has done past tense. We read about these miracles because God is showing us what he wants to do present tense. It's what he wants to do today. Or we could say it like this, what God's done in the past or what God's done before, he can do it again. 
And so miracles are not an epilogue. We're not talking about an epilogue. It's a prologue of all the things that God wants to do. But this is what Jesus said when it came to these greater works shall we do. He said this, that you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You know what he was saying is 100% of the prayers you don't pray don't get answered. And the reason a lot of us don't ask is because we've already become so convinced that the answer is no, it's impossible, it won't happen. And so our job is to not tell God what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. Our job is to lean into the unknown, lean into the mystery, lean into we don't know what miracles God's going to do today or what miracles he's going to do in our life or around us or through us in other people's lives. That's his job. That's his part. Our job is to ask. I heard someone say years ago that when it comes to believing God for miracles in other people's lives, it's kind of like playing baseball. That your job is to, to get up to the plate, to focus as much as you can on the ball, and to swing with all you got. That's your job. Now, you're not going to hit every one of them. You can play in, the, play in the major leagues, be an incredible baseball player, and if you have a batting average of 400 plus, that's pretty good, which means over half of the swings that they take, not, e not even half the swings, half the times they get up to bat, they don't hit anything, but they still get up, they focus, and they swing with all they got. Our job is to do the same thing. Our job is to not determine whether or not God's going to do something or not. Our job is to focus our faith, swing with all we've got, and to trust that God knows best in every situation. And we're going to trust him that he's going to make all things work together for our good. Amen. So I hope today that this message stirs you, encourages you, and blesses you. This is a real quick recap of last week, and we'll get right into it. There's no faith when there's no stretch. And if there's no stretch, there's no miracle. We have to be willing to be stretched or our faith won't grow. We won't begin to see God do incredible, magnificent things in our life. True faith is not about what you deserve or what you don't deserve. Faith is realizing, especially faith in Jesus Christ, is realizing that Jesus got what you deserved. That's what the cross is about. Right? None of us deserve the goodness of God, the love of God, the favor of God. But Jesus came, he bled, and he died. Not so you could get what we deserve, but so we could have what he deserves.
Hello. Hello. Shalom. It's a beautiful day for picking flowers. Well, if you like Bilboa iris, lupine, and anemone, I sell them in the market. Is that the Egyptian? Yes. I grew up there. My father was from Ethiopia. Shaparnaya makamteanak. Shabuta sasha sutne sashrutu. Natiu patanaya sunu mahatea. Tamar anaki nani otiahuanu. Anaki yeshua nanazrati. Atipuarta snotia. Hakmunak. Shalom to you all. Shalom. Shalom. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you cannot. It's disease. You. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough.
Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> evident about the condition of this miracle or the man who needed this miracle uh, having leprosy of course was a very popular disease in biblical times and so what this disease which was obvious in the scene that you've seen was that he would have been completely isolated from the moment he was diagnosed he would have been isolated from his family his friends uh, no job. He would have been excommunicated, banished, really, from any contact with society. That would have been the place he was in. And notice that what you see begin to happen here is 
the disciples are reacting to the religious laws that said if you associate or you have any contact with this person, there's severe consequences and ramifications. There is also just the fact that leprosy, they believed and were probably accurate that it was contagious by touch. And so, again, the, the, you do not touch someone with leprosy. And the disciples were focused on that. And Jesus pushes past all the rules, all the religious expectations. And he goes and he embraces a guy who had been excommunicated from his family and his friends. And he shows him compassion, which I think is the most important thing when it comes to dealing with people that are hurting, people that are sick, people that are struggling, uh, people that are broken, is what they need from us more than anything else is they need compassion. We talk about the Great Commission a lot, but the church really needs to find the great compassion first. We need to learn how to be compassionate towards people that are in a hurting place. Somebody, say, somebody would say, well, why isn't there more miracles? Why, why don't we see more miracles today? And I would say it's probably because we have a compassion deficit. See, the disciples were, you know, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? What will happen to us, which is the opposite of compassion, right? What are people going to think? What are people going to say? How's it going to make me look? Can't ever be moved with compassion if you're worried about all that stuff. And so this miracle, I think, is interesting. And I, I like that it was the first miracle that we dealt with because Leviticus chapter 13 is a chapter on how to deal with leprosy. In that chapter, there's all kinds of instructions. I think 15 different times the word unclean is used, referring to leprosy in that one chapter. 27 times the word plague is used about the disease. And the Bible there gives instructions. If someone were to have leprosy, let's say it were to show up on their hand or their feet, there was instructions on how to deal with this person. If for some reason leprosy were to find its way to that person's head, then the high priest was to announce that person utterly or surely unclean, which means completely overtaken by the disease. In that culture, that meant this person is beyond help. There's no return. There's no hope for this person. Once it reaches the mindset, once it reaches the mind, then there's no, there's no return. So I like this miracle because to me, what it deals with first is it deals with our mindsets, how we see miracles, how we see people in need of miracles. The Bible says it like this, that there is the working of miracles, which to me are two words that should never be in the same sentence together. Working and miracles, shouldn't miracles be effortless? There's, there's work behind miracles. That's what the Bible says is it's the working of miracles. So miracles are not effortless. Miracles take faith. Miracles take compassion. Miracles take effort. You and I have to push past all the things in us that would say, well, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? Uh, you know, what, you know, what will happen to me? What you got to remove all of that and say, okay, God, most importantly in my mind, I want to get to the place that I know you can do a miracle and I want in no way to ever be held back in my mind from moving with compassion towards people that are hurting. As we continue to look at some of these miracles, first of all, I want us to focus on our mindset when it comes to miracles. And so let's continue to watch as this next scene, the paralytic that Jesus heals, I think also shows us exactly how we can look at miracles. Let's check it out. 
Come. Excuse us. One Please. Of the other, good to see you. Yes. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He's listening. Standing by himself. Goes inside to the temple and he prays this prayer. You hear okay? Yes. He's amazing, huh? God. I thank you that I am not like other men. Excuse me. Extortion. Excuse us. Unjust. Please. Where are you going? Please. We need to see Jesus. There's no room up there. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He can't stand. No, there, there, there is definitely no room then. Simon, he deserves to hear Jesus as much as anyone else. Hello again. I'm so glad I found you. My friend, you're here. Why do you need to get closer? I saw what your master did to the leper. I know what I saw. Trying to keep that under wraps for now. Look at this crowd. Imagine what we'd be Please. up against. Please, help me get my friend to him. Who's that company? I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. Come with me. Cannot be hid. And if it were nighttime, Zebedee wouldn't light his lamp and put it under a basket. Put it on the stand where he could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. That's a rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. One of my favorite miracles, I think primarily because I just love the tenacity of the friends that made sure that their friend got to Jesus and that whatever limits, whatever ceilings, whatever, whatever was in between the miracle that their friend needed in Jesus, they were going to remove it. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of the church, that our job is to do everything we can to get sick people, hurting people to him and to not put any limits to rip the roof off if we need to, to make sure that people get into the presence of God. Years ago, I was reading a book called Unstoppable. 
Uh, the author's name is Nick. I, I can't pronounce his last name. I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't. And on the cover of, of his book is him riding a surfboard. He was born with no arms and no legs. And so he's riding this surfboard on the front of his, his book. And if that's not miraculous enough, this man with no arms and no legs can, can surf. He was asked inside of the book, one of the things he was asked is he keeps a pair of tennis shoes in his closet. And he was asked, why do you keep a pair of shoes in your closet? You have no legs. And he said, because I still believe in miracles. So I want you to watch this, this, his mindset concerning miracles. He's believing that God's going to give him legs. He's believing that God's going to completely restore and heal him. But in the meantime, he's doing whatever he can do to live life. And I love this because you and I can't control the circumstances we find ourselves in. There's people all across this room that you're in need of a miracle. You're in need of, of maybe even healing physically in your body. And when you think about being up against something like that, I think one of the most important things to do is to say, you know what, I'm not in control of it all, but what I can do is make the decision that God can work all things together for my good. And my job is to say, God, I don't know what miracles are in front of me, but what I do know is that I can trust you in spite of my situation. And somehow you can maybe even use what has brought pain into my life to be a blessing to other people. I want us to continue to watch this miracle unfold um, in this next video, but get ready because, because we're about to rip your heart out with what I believe is one of the greatest miracles in this church. And so let's check this out. You, by whose authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home.
told you I've already received my miracle. When I was 16 years old in a Bible study, they told the story of the paralyzed man, how his friends cared for him and how they lowered him through a roof, and how his faith in a Savior allowed him to be healed by Jesus. I was so moved by the message, and in that moment, I opened my journal and I write down, quit looking to things to make you happy. Having legs won't satisfy you. And then, a year later, I was involved in a car accident that resulted in me being paralyzed from the neck down. That accident was supposed to be a tragedy, and I was only a teenager when I lost my ability to walk. But would it be a miracle for me to be able to walk again? Or is it a miracle that God has given me the faith to be whole without the whole use of my body? to be a beacon of his light to others, to be an encouragement, a champion, a friend to those in need, to show God's goodness in all things. He gave me the miracle of a second chance to tell you that you are not in the fire alone. He gave me the strength to take heart and to tell you that the darkness will bow in Jesus' name. That your miracle will be a miracle of faith and restoration, and out have the joy come every battle because I know that is where God will be. So if you ask me what my miracle is, could it be that the real miracle is God using me in my chair to be a miracle to others in the fire? You are not alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding 
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus He who was and still is and will be through it all So come what may in the space between All the things unseen and this reckoning I know I will never be In just a minute, we're going to invite our prayer partners to come up. I'm going to ask that you just stay standing for just a minute. We're going to go to work. We're going to pray for miracles. We're going to believe God for healing. We're going to believe God if you're in any situation that needs God to, to do a miracle. We're going to do our part. We're going to get up to the plate. right? We're going to keep our shoes in the closet. And we're going to believe that God still does miracles. And we believe that he will do some today. Now... With, with that in mind, there's this scripture where Jesus, he spits in the mud. There's a blind man. He spits in the mud, and he puts the mud on the, man, the blind, blind man's eyes. And he so, says to him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. While this miracle is taking place, Jesus is asked this question by his disciples, and they want to know, why is this person like this? Has his parents sinned? Did he sin? Notice what their theology is. Their theology is the only way someone could have this disability is because there's some kind of sin in their life. Like there's a lack of faith. There's a lack of belief that, that if you are full of faith, that you would, you would never have blindness. You would never be sick. And Jesus immediately corrects that mindset. He says, no, this person is this way that God may be glorified. Remember how we talked about as we opened up, Jesus said, hey, ask me. And the point was that the Father may be glorified through the Son. The focus today is not on miracles. The focus is on giving God glory. There's a story that um, is told of a young boy. This is actually told by an Episcopal bishop by the name of William Frey. And he talks about how a young 13-year-old boy was in an explosion, a chemical explosion, and he lost his eyesight. After months of being um, completely frustrated, devastated, uh, living in this place of life where he can't believe this has happened to him, of course, angry at God as well, his father reaches out to this bishop for help. And the bishop kind of tells the dad, hey, it's your job to kind of help him realize that, okay, yeah, you've lost your eyesight, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything. And so the father tells the young boy, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to leave, but there's storm windows that need to be put up all across this house. And the young boy objects, I'm blind. How am I supposed to put up the storm windows? And the, the dad says, listen, you can figure it out. By the time I get home later tonight, I need all these storm windows put up. And the father slams the door and the boy thinks he's left, but the father's still in the room and he's upset. He's angry. How does he expect me to do this? Does he know I'm blind? Doesn't he know I can't see? This isn't safe. What if I fall and get hurt? I hope I fall and get hurt. That'll show him and teach him. And he's just angry, but he ends up doing what his dad asked him to do. And he completes the job. He puts all the storm windows up. And then once all the storm windows are up, the dad revealed 
that he was never more than just a few feet away from his son the whole time, making sure that he was there, kept safe, making sure that he was there so he could accomplish the job. And this is what the dad taught the boy that I hope we can learn today. And that is that there was a worse thing. There was a greater curse than the son's blindness. And that was the curse that his son was helpless. And what I want to do is I want you to go back to that miracle because the Bible says that Jesus gave him the instructions. You've got to go wash. He didn't get healed. The Bible says until he returned back from the pool of Salome on his way back, he got his sight because Jesus was restoring back to him, not just his sight, but the dignity that he had lost. And I want to take just a moment. And as we go into praying for people, as we go into this next part of the service, with every eye closed, every head bowed, no one looking around. You know, maybe someone has added the extra shame and pressure to your life. Maybe you felt like it's your fault. There's something you've done. There's something you've deserved it, that God has done this to you. Why has God let this happen to you? Maybe you feel like there's a lack of faith. And, and on top of the disability and on top of the diagnosis, on top of the disease, there's the shame that's come because in your mind, you've done something to deserve it. But Jesus completely removes that. And he says, listen, whatever position you're in, you're not helpless. God is able to make all things work together for your good. God's not withholding a miracle from you. Your job is just to get to work. Use faith, pray, do what you can do in between now and whatever manifestation. And we hope, Abby, we hope to hang that wheelchair up on the wall maybe someday. That's what, we, that's what we're believing God for. We're believing God that it's will, God's will that we're healed, that we're whole. It's not God's will that we're sick. God doesn't make us sick. Uh, Jesus went to the cross. By his stripes, we're healed. It is his will for us to be made whole. That is his will. But in the meantime, let's keep some shoes in the closet. Amen. Let's, let's keep our attitude, and, and especially towards those who are here today, that maybe you're sick. Maybe you've got a diagnosis. Maybe you're suffering. We hope, if nothing else, we hope you get a miracle today. But if you don't, we hope you sense the compassion of God's people. We hope that you sense that we're for you, we're with you, we're in your corner, we're in the fire with you, believing God with you, trusting God with you, going to work with you, that you're not in it alone, in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.